Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Here's what I want to teach on this morning. Uh, I'm going to give you my title and then explain where it came from so that you can understand a little bit of the context of where I'm going. Uh, I'm going to teach on this topic, how to build a great nation. How to build a great nation. Now, let me kind of tell you where this word came from. Of all places, this word came from television. (laughs) And can any message of God come from television, or as pastor would say, stupid vision? Well, Well, we'll know in a moment, right? We'll know in just a little while. But this past week, I got up, and as I always do, kind of early, and I was watching television. I was watching the news, and as I was watching the news, they were really talking a lot about the upcoming Super Tuesday and how big this thing is. I think there's 12 states involved in Super Tuesday, if I'm saying that right. Don't quote me, but I think I'm correct. And they were making such a huge deal about Super Tuesday and how big it is, and I stood there listening to it, and, you know, I I was cool with listening to what they were reporting on the news. No big deal. But as I stood there listening to it, it, I noticed how important they were uh, talking about this thing. And then I heard the reporters say these words in talking about how big Super Tuesday is. Here's what he said. It has the ability to shape our nation. And when he said that, I kind of stood there in my living room and went, because heresy on any level really bothers me. And I agree with where he's coming from, this, this commentator was coming from. And let me just stop and say, I am not speaking against the election or Super Tuesday or the upcoming presidential election or its importance. How many of you know We need godly men and women on Capitol Hill in Congress and the Senate. Come on. So I'm not speaking against that. I'm not speaking against election. We should vote. Say it out loud. We should vote. Say it one more time. We should vote. You know, for a long time, I didn't vote. I had personal convictions, and I still do, about why I did not vote, and they're none of your business, but I have since then changed And I, for the past probably 20 years, I've been voting because I believe it is a constitutional right to be a part of a democratic process and walk into that voting booth and make my vote known, come on somebody. So I'm not making light or taking away from the importance of the election, but here's what we have to understand. An election on any level is not going to truly shape our nation. Could it possibly have an effect? Oh, yeah. But is it going to shape our nation? Well, no, it's not. Because listen to me now. Here we go. If you want to build a great nation, you've got to build great families. If you want to build a great nation, you've got to build great families. Because that is the biblical concept 
of a strong nation. A strong family is the biblical concept of a strong nation. See, understand something, guys. Families don't come out of nations. Nations come out of families. The family came first. The family came first. See, here we go. Long before there was the nation of Israel, there was the nation of Cologne. Didn't know you were Jewish, did you? Baruch Hababashim Adonai. Long before there was the great nation called the United States of America, there was the nation of Brantley. Long before there was the great nation that we live in or wherever we're from, there was the nation of whoever we are. Nations, families don't come out of nations, nations come out of families. So if you want to build a great nation, build a great family. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Not some. 96 verse 7. Put it up, guys. Here we go. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. It doesn't say nations of families. It says families of nations and ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. So what happens is this. The first thing that comes about is the power of a God-fearing family, and that will build a God-fearing nation. Do you understand are you with me so far? Okay, good. Hey, I'll give you the best example I can think of. Genesis chapter 12. God spoke to Abraham and said, I will make you a great nation. He was talking to one guy, man. He wasn't talking to the tribe of Benjamin or the tribe of Levi. He was talking to Abraham. And he said, out of you, I will make a great nation. And out of that, all of the nations will be blessed. Come on, somebody. Out of the nation of Cologne, all the nation's going to be blessed. All the nations out of Brantley, all the nation's going to be blessed. Out of the nations of Hyatt. <laughs> all the nations are going to be blessed. Come on now. See, that the, the family came first. Now, you got to get this principle right here, and then we're going to get into Psalm 33, because Psalm 33 shows us how to build a great nation by building a great family. We're going to walk through it step by step. But you got to get this principle right here. Once you leave the concept of family, you've left the concept of the kingdom. Everything, everything about the kingdom of God is foundational to the family. So once I leave the concept of family, I leave the concept of God's kingdom. Now, let's read Psalm 33. Here we go. Psalm 33, I'm going to give you a background of it in just a little bit. Psalm 33 was a, what's called a psalm of victory. It was sung after Israel won a battle. Years later, the way this psalm was used, listen to this, you're going to love this, man. The way this psalm was used was in the evenings before everybody would retire the father of the family would gather the family together and sing Psalm 33. Reminding them that if we're going to be a great nation, we first of all have got to be a great family. So let's read it together and here we go. Verse 1. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. And make, I hear some of you guys reading. Am I hearing things? Am I hearing things? 
I'm, I'm 66, so I could easily be hearing things. Let, let, let's read it out loud together. How, you want to do that? Let's read it out loud together. Let's start back. Let's go back. And verse 1. And let's read it out loud together. Here we go. One, two, three, go. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp and make music to him on the ten-string. Yeah. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the water into the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. I love this. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. That's ungodly nations. Here we go. Let's start back. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord shall stand firm forever. All right. Real strong right here. Real strong, real strong, real strong. Blessed be the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. Let's give God praise. Come on. So the father of the family would get everybody together and sing this psalm with emphasis on verse 12 because this nation This nation fears the Lord and therefore will do great exploits. All right, how's that going to happen, Hyatt? Well, I'm glad you asked because we got to talk about that. How do we build great families, thereby building great nations? Write it down. Number one, be tolerant and quick to forgive. Be tolerant and quick to forgive. To forgive. How many of you will agree with me if I say that if forgiveness is not at the foundation of your family, you've got a very miserable home? Come on. Got a miserable home. Forgiveness has to be at the foundation of who we are as a family unit. Look at verse 4. For the word of the Lord is right, therefore everything else is wrong. For the word of the Lord is right and true, and he is faithful in all that he does. Be tolerant and quick to forgive. Now, tolerance is a real big word in the culture that we live in today. Because ungodly culture will call you and I intolerant. They'll call us mean. They'll call us lack of understanding. They'll call us bad names. But you know what? That's fine with me. I'm not going to give up on my convictions because someone else has a different philosophy. My convictions are my convictions, and they're based on God's Word. So call me intolerant if you want. Well, you don't understand. Understanding does not always mean agreeing. Understand, I, hey, I can understand, but that doesn't mean I'm going to agree with you. And so we find ourselves having to be tolerant and forgiving as we look at the culture that we live in. But... We have to be just as tolerant 
and forgiving when I consider the family that I am a part of. How many of you know sometimes you just got to tolerate your brothers and your sisters? You just got to tolerate. You love them. You love them, but you just got to kind of tolerate them. They get on your last nerve. And you just got to kind of tolerate them. And then be quick to forgive. The two go together. Come on, somebody. You can't separate the two. But sometimes you just got to kind of tolerate your family. You know, <laughs> she's going to get mad at me right now. I'm going to stand over here and, and smile so she don't get too mad at me. I grew up military. And you guys know what typically comes with military. If you're 10 minutes early, you're 20 minutes late. And also, if you grew up military, everything has its place. I mean, if you walked into, <laughs> what you laughing at already? You know where I'm going, don't you? Huh? If you walked into my mom's kitchen and looked at the cupboard, I mean, it would blow your mind. It looked like it had been set up with a ruler. I mean, everything had its place. You walk over to my dad's desk, and it was like this picture of perfection. And that's how I grew up. I grew up military. And then I married a Southern Belle. Five girls in one household, and she's just glad the sun came up. And so now you walk into my house, and it's pretty orderly, but what I have found is over on Barbara's side of the bed, if you look under bed, there's a few shoes there. And we got this gorgeous chair in the corner that you can't see because there's a few things on top of it. <laughs> now, you know what I have found? I have found, huh? It's okay. You, oh, oh yeah, well, that came out of your heart. She's talking about my camouflage. That came out of your heart. She's, ta she's touching God's anointing now. But you know what I have found, guys? I have found that I get two choices. Put it away, and I ain't about to do that. Because if I put her shoes away, I've got to go in her dressing room which is an entire bedroom. She doesn't have a walk-in closet. She has a bedroom. And I'm not about to go in there because if you go in there, you never come out. I mean, it's the abyss. Jimmy Hoffa is in there somewhere. <laughs> it's okay. And so I don't worry about it. You, know, you want to know why? That's Barbara Sue. We've been married 45 years. She can do what she wants. It don't matter. Ain't that big of a deal. And I'm not going to mess with her stuff. I married a woman from Mississippi. I ain't scared of nothing. So I tolerate it because it's really not that important. And so there are times that I've got mad about it and she's got mad at me and we had to walk through that. But listen, what do we do? We tolerate and, come on, they go together now. We tolerate and forgive. We tolerate and forgive. Say it out loud. We tolerate and forgive. See, because I can't afford to walk in unforgiveness. Put the principle up and I'll show you what, what I'm talking about. Here's what unforgiveness does. Unforgiveness stops creativity. Because I'm more worried about me than anything else. And you know who should be the most creative people on the face of the earth? The followers of God, absolutely. We ought to be the leadership 
in entrepreneurship. We ought to be the leadership in business. We ought to be the leadership in education. We ought to be the leadership in every form out there because we are God's people and we have breathed into us the breath of God. And we ought to be the most creative people on the face of the earth. But unforgiveness stops creativity. Now, what does forgiveness have the ability to do beyond our family and where we live. Look at Acts chapter 26, verse 18. Look at it. To open their eyes and turn them, ungodly nations, from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place, and a place rather, among those who are sanctified by faith in me. When I walk in forgiveness in my family, I have the understanding of how to walk in forgiveness of the world I live in, and that impacts their lives and leads them to Jesus Christ. That's what the power of walking in forgiveness does. So how do I build a great nation? First of all, number one, I am tolerant and quick to forgive. Number two, be free. You know what I'm about to say, don't you? I like this one. I got to say it. Be, ooh, this is good. Be free in God's unfailing love. Look at verse 5. Here we go. Verse 5 says, The Lord loves justice and righteous. The earth is full of his unfailing love. Come on. How many of you agree with Pastor on this morning? You love the spirit of freedom. He who the said and sets free is free indeed. The liberty. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty where Christ has made you free and be not ever entangled again with any yoke of bondage. Mm, I need to say that again so you'll shout amen. Stand fast, therefore, in the, you know what I'm talking about. Go ahead and say amen. We'll save 30 seconds. Go ahead and say amen. We'll save 30 seconds. That's what I love about the freedom of Jesus. But look. What we find ourselves walking in, instead of the freedom of God's love, we find ourselves trying to attempt to walk in legalism. It's called performance mentality. In Scripture, it was the law. The law, in, the law in, in and of itself was perfect, Psalm 19. But what was the problem? I could not do it. I did not have the ability to do it. And so it lends, lends itself, rather to legalism, and legalism have the, has the ability to lead to an inclination of sin. I can't do it, so what do I do? I rebel against it. That's called sin. Come on now. So what do I do? What's the alternative, Hyatt? The alternative is I walk in the freedom and the grace and the love of Jesus Christ, free from the law of sin and death. When I was reading these notes this morning, I was, I was thinking of the whole idea of freedom. I thought about something that I experienced a number of years ago. A few years back, I played on a basketball team, and we went into prisons, and we played teams from that prison. And so we would go in and play basketball against these inmates, pretty good athletes, actually, really good. And we would go in and play these guys. I think, Coach Harden, I think our record was 0-21. and 21. Because that is, not, that is not a place you want to beat the home team. Come on. <laughs> uh -uh. Uh, no. I, I, I went one night into Florida State Prison. That's the end of the line. I went in one night to play Florida State Prison, 
And as uh, soon as we got out of the van, they were trying to intimidate us. They're yelling out the window, come on in here, white boy. <laughs> and what I found out when we got in there was they let the inmates bet on the game. So if you're winning and they bet against you, they're mad. If you're losing and they bet for you, they're mad. So it's a no-win situation. And so, <laughs> I'm not going to tell that. And so we were, playing, we were playing at Lottie right up the road one day. And we were playing on outdoor court, and uh, we played the guys, and the inmates literally are standing on the out-of-bounds line. So if the ball goes out-of-bounds, you're in trouble. Please. And so, so we played the game, had a great game. It was a lot of fun playing on outdoor court. I hate playing on outdoor courts, but that's life in the big city. And so the game was over, and we're standing there talking to inmates because after the game at night, we would have a service in the chapel with the inmates and the chaplain. So I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, this guy walked up to me. Man, this guy was big, gorgeous smile, black gentleman, young black gentleman with a beautiful smile, Big guy, about two pounds shy of a Buick. He was big. <laughs> and he walked up to me so, you know, firmly. I was kind of intimidated at first, but he had such a beautiful expression on his face. So I stood there and he came up to me and we started talking. And guys, I had one of the most beautiful conversations with a young man that I've ever had in my life. I felt the spirit of God in him in such a powerful way. And I ended up asking him a question that I've never asked inside any facility. I asked him, what brought you to Lottie? I've never asked that before. And he said, I'm here for murder. Second degree, doing 12 to 25, no eligibility. And he said it with such a smile on his face. And I just sat there. I said, man, my, my automatic response was, wow. Here's a guy with, that loves Jesus, and he's got this beautiful expression of Jesus on his face. He needs to be out in society, and he's not getting out. And I said, man, I am so sorry. He said, don't you dare be sorry for me. I am more free in Christ than I've ever been in my entire life, and these bars have not held me down. Yeah. And so that night we went to the service. And I stood there at the service, and I watched him. And as I watched this young gentleman in prison for 25 years for murder, going around from man to man and praying on them, laying hands on them. He looked like one of our prayer team members, guys. He's praying over these guys and loving these guys. And everywhere he would go, there would be like this entourage that would go with him wherever he would go. You know what he was doing? He was building a nation in Lottie Correctional Institution, and lives were being changed because we are free and free indeed in Christ. Amen. Building a nation. Building a nation. Look at Psalm 119, verse 33. This is a little bit long, so stay with me. Here we go. In the Message Bible, it says this, God, teach me lessons for the living so I can stay the course. Give me insight so I can do what you tell me to do. My whole life, life, one long, obedient response. Let me read that again. My whole life, one long, obedient response. Guide me down the road of your commandments. I love traveling this freeway. Give me a bent for your words of wisdom 
and not for piling up loot. Divert, this is the Message Bible, in case you're wondering, divert my eyes from toys and trinkets. Invigorate me on the pilgrim way. Affirm your promises to me, promises made to all who fear you. Deflect the harsh words of my critics, but what you say is always so good. See how hungry, this is it right here. See how hungry I am for your counsel, free in the love of God. Preserve my life, rather, through your righteous ways. That, 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 those verses are just full of, of my love, your love for God's word. And when we walk in it, we are free in God's unfailing love. Number three, so I'm going to be, intol- I'm going to be tolerant and, for, un- and forgiving. I'm going to be free in God's unfailing love. Number three, I'm going to be led by God. Look at verse eight. Let's read it. I got to hurry. You guys are making me preach today. It's your fault. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. Be led by God. You want to build a great nation? Build a great family of Brantleys that are led by the word of God. You want to build a great nation? Build a great family of Berrymans that are led by the word of God. You want to build a great nation? Build a nation of McGarry's that are led by the word of God. Be led by God. Now, Pastor Ron, that seems so elementary. Well, I guess it is. But we have to go back and understand, here's what the Word says. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That sounds good. It preaches good. But what's the other side of it? Here's the other side of it. I've got to understand that it it comes down to this. My desires versus God's desires. My desires versus God's desires. I walk in the Spirit, yea, and I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But then I've got this thing that I battle inside of me for the flesh, Romans 8, for the flesh is enmity against God. There's that battle going on for my desires versus God's desires. Now that would be probably pretty easy if we didn't have this thing in our world today called idols. Because what happens is when my desires get really big, probably what I'm doing is I'm bound down at some kind of idol. I'm bound down at some kind of idol. Instead of walking away from it or killing it, I'm bowing down at some kind of idol. Now, do you want to know what an idol is? Write it down. An idol is anything that you have to say, you have to check with before you say yes to God. Now, I've given you that principle before, I think, but I'm going to give it to you again. An idol is anything you have to check with before you say yes to God. And so what I do is I find myself knowing that there's this battle of me being led by God. Hey, look, before we get super spiritual, we got to remember it happened to the nation of Israel at one of the greatest points of their lives. They're literally standing on the border of walking into the promised land. And God said this, I've given you the land. You got to go in and drive out the inhabitants. So the 12 spies go in. And they come back and they say, well, what do you think, guys? And 10 of them, (laughs) 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 giants. And two of them say, ain't no thing but a chicken wing (laughs) on a string from Burger King. (laughs) Sorry. 
Because that, that's really what it came down to. The land was theirs. But what did they have? They had what Pastor Ron calls a yeah, but moment. The land is yours. Oh, yeah, but. The land is mine. Oh, yeah, but. I got one of those land, but moments. So what I come down to is this. I've got to begin to understand the power of Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lead not into your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will do what? Direct your path. That's what I've got to do when I find that battle going on. I've got to say, hey, I am going to give up my rights. I'm going to give up my rights and relinquish myself to the leading of God. Look at Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. And I'm going to speed up a little bit because time's getting away, I think. I don't know. I, I don't, man, I got plenty of time. I got plenty of time, don't I, PT? I mean, the, the battery said 10 hours. The battery in my pack said 10 hours. Where was I? Yeah, thank you. In, look at this. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Man, you missed a good place to shout. I can plan my ways, and they're good ways. You're smart people. You love God. But the Lord ultimately establishes your steps. All right, here we go. One more. So I'm going to, I'm going to be led by God. Number four. If I want to build a great nation, I love this one, <laughs> sorry, be uncomplicated. Be uncomplicated. Let me give you a prophetic word. Love the simplicity of life. Just love the simplicity of God's gospel. Just love the simplicity of what God has laid out for us. Look at verse 9. Verse 9 says this, for he spoke it and it came to be, he commanded it, and it stood firm. You know what that verse literally is full of? It's full of order. It's full of order. And when I walk in the order of God, I keep my life pretty simple. Everything just really kind of takes care of itself. Now, the enemy does not like that one little bit because Daniel chapter 9 says in the last days, the great battle is going to be this. You've heard me say it, the wearing down of the saints. Man, how many of you know we live in a, a tired generation? Come on now. We live in a tired generation. I, I, I talk to young kids coming off on a Monday. They've been off all weekend. Hey, how you doing? I'm so tired. I'm just tired. And I, you know, I get it. But we live in a tired generation. Why? Because the enemy wants to wear down the saints. And what we do is we find ourselves, listen to Pastor on right now, confusing activity for accomplishment. Hey, how many of you remember years back there was, we used to see them on variety shows, those plate spinners, the people that would spin. You, do you remember that? I know I'm old, but give me a break. Say yes and humor me. They would spin those plates. You know, they would get over here and they would spin that plate and they'd get it going and then they'd run over here and spin this plate and then this one's about to fall, so they would spin that plate. And then for some ignorant reason, they'd start one in the middle, and they got another plate spinning, and now they're going here, and they're going there, and they're going here, and they're going there, and plates are splitting and splitting and splitting. And what happens every time? Crash. They're going to fall. When I start finding myself confusing activity for accomplishment, and I start spinning a whole bunch of plates, something's coming down. I can't keep them up. 
But when I rest in God and I'm faithful to God's word, ultimately I find myself being victorious. I knew a guy one time that, uh, man, he was, he always had something he wanted to do. And that's, I guess there's a good side to that, but he was always wanting to do something. The, the challenge is, is he never really accomplished anything. And I finally told him one time, James, you got a pocket full of, a pocket full of promises, but you're not really accomplishing anything. So what I got to do is I got to get back to loving the simplicity, the simplicity of God's word and be content with that and be uncomplicated. That's, actually, that's the last one. Let's go to number six. Number six, let's go to be content. So I want to be confident in God. And then the last one, be content. Be content. Be content. Doesn't even say it. Just saying that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Just be content. Be happy with what you got. Be happy with what you got. Let me read verse 11. Psalm 33, verse 11. Do you a curveball, guys. Thanks for working with me. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. The plans of the Lord is what's going to stand the test of time. Be content. But you know what? In our American culture, that's not easy. That's not easy because there's always something driving you to the next point. There's always something driving you to the next event. There's always something driving you to a little bit more, a little bit extra. And so here's what we do, guys. We start comparing ourselves to everybody else. And social media has not helped that one bit. We, lead, we read everybody else's press reports that they're writing about themselves. Hadn't helped one bit. And I have given you this principle before. Comparison always leads to condemnation. So I ain't going to measure up. Or what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to compare and I'm going to make myself either superior or inferior. Neither one of them of God. I start comparing my life to yours, and I say, yeah, I really got it together. Or I compare my life to yours, and I say, man, they have just got it together. Who am I, superior or inferior? And neither one of them biblical. So what do I got to do, man? I got to be with content with who God made me. Look, be content with who God made me what he's given me, and what he's called me to do. Be content with that. You know what? Can I say this? You know, Barbara and I, before we came here, we were lead pastors at another church. And we came here and started serving Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne 28 years ago. And I we, we, used, we used to be the lead pastors. The problem is I'd get up in the morning and say, I don't want to go to church. And Barbara would say, well, you got to, you're the pastor. Because <laughs> it was rough, man. It was rough. And then God brings us to the Rock of Gainesville to serve under Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne. And I'm not the lead pastor anymore. You know what? I don't care because I'm fulfilling the purposes of God on the face of the earth. So it doesn't matter. Content. 
content in what I'm doing and what God's called us to do. And one of the best ways, guys, I, I can be content. One of the best ways I can be content, listen to this, is rejoice with those that rejoice. That's the best way for me to be content. Man, you tell me, hey, I guess what, Pastor Ron? I got a, I got a promotion at work. I got a raise. Man, what ought to come out of me is, all right, way to go. I am so happy for you. I hope I get one, one, one day. But too often, somebody says, hey, guess what, Pastor Ron? I got a raise. I got a promotion at work. And you know who we turn into? I don't know his name. But we turn into that donkey on Winnie the Pooh. Eeyore, is that his name? Yeah, we turn into, okay. I, I like I like Tigger, T-I-G-G-E-R. I like Tigger. T-I-G-G-E-R. I like Tigger. But we turn in, what, what's his name? Eeyore? Yeah, we turn we turn in. Okay. Man, I ought to you you get a blessing from God. I ought to be rejoicing with you. I ought to be pumped for you. Why? Because rejoicing with them that rejoice opens up the door of favor in your life. It opens up. God's favor. Look at this quote by Craig Rochelle. I'm going to read it and I'm done. I love this. Let's read it together. When we look at other people comparatively or competitively, we are not seeing them as brothers or sisters, and we are not loving them more than we love ourselves. And we are definitely not seeing them as God sees them. I start looking at someone comparatively or competitively. I'm not seeing them the way God sees them. I'm seeing them through the filter of height, and that's probably not a very good filter. It's probably a filter of, a filter of jealousy. I'm going to summarize this. 1 Timothy chapter 6, it's real simple. Be content with what you got. Be content with what you got. You brought nothing into the world, you ain't taking nothing out. Never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. Ain't taking nothing out. Be content with what you got. Let the satisfaction of Yahweh be yours today. Let's read it one more time. Psalm 33, verse 12. Blessed is the nation. Blessed is the family. Put your hand on your chest right now. Blessed is the family. Blessed is the family. Blessed is the family whose God is the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father. I thank you for the power of your word today that is so meaningful in our lives. Father, I thank you that we can build a great nation because we build great families. The households of faith that are represented in this auditorium, they represent a great nation of God's people, but it also individually represents a great nation that has the ability to turn the world upside down because of the Jesus that's within them. So I thank you for the nations that are represented here this morning. And Father, I thank you also that if there's anybody in the building this morning whose nation is just at a bad place, that when they make the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords the leader of that nation, then things change and turn around and their lives turn around. So Father, as you speak to hearts this morning as we wrap up this time together. If there's those that are here and they would say, Pastor Ron, my nation, me, 
is just at a bad place. I need the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to rule my nation. I want to accept Jesus today as my Lord and Savior and bring my nation under order. Speak to them right now, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Nobody looking around, every head bow. If you're here this morning and that's you, my nation is at a bad place. I need the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to be the King of my nation and bring it in order. Put your hand up right where you are. Yes. Yes. Put your hand up right where you are. Yes, I see you there. Yes. Thank you very much. Put your hand up right where you are. I, my kingdom is out of order. I need the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to be the King of my nation and bring it in order. Anybody else? Real quickly. Not going to take a long time. Not out of disrespect. Just want to make sure we are moving along. Okay. Here's what I want to do. If you raise your hand this morning, you can look up here at me. Actually, everybody stand, please. Everybody go ahead and stand. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you raise your hands, you're going to pray this prayer out loud as everybody prays together. And you just mean it from your heart and declare it out of your mouth. And Jesus will become Lord, Savior, and Lord of your life. That's what the Word says in Romans chapter 10. That's not Hyatt's philosophy. That's what the Word says. Jesus will become Savior and Lord of your life. So let's pray together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask you, Lord, right now to come into my life as my Savior and become my Lord. My nation needs the order of God, and you can do that for me. So I submit my will, I submit my rights, I submit my life to you, and I thank you that you are becoming my Savior right now. All those old things of the nation, they're all gone. And I today am a new creature in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen and amen. I want to do something that's different for a Sunday morning. And I've been battling this for a couple of days. I told the prayer team I wasn't sure what I was going to do. But I want to do something. Uh, I know that uh, we have people serving all over the building, so not all of your entire family may be with you right now, and I understand that, but all of your family that is with you right now, gather together as family units. Just gather together as a family unit. Barbara, come join me up here on the platform. Just gather together as a family unit. Single moms, if your kids are with you, cool. If not, just gather together as a family unit. Come on, get together, guys. Get together. I know this is not easy, thank you. I know it's not easy and it's different, but there's people all over the building. And I get that, but you represent your nation. If there's only one of you, you represent your nation. Come on, Harry, yeah, go over there with those guys. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, my bad. I should mind my own business, shouldn't I? So let's pray right now. Join hands, however you want to do it. Lay hands on your kids if you want to, whatever, whatever you're comfortable with. There's no rules here. Just Let's just pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for what's represented in this room family units, people that love God, people that are called according to your purpose. I thank you for moms and dads. I thank you for single moms that have loved on their kids and led their household. I thank you for grandparents today that love their grandkids and just have a, such a major impact on the, the lives of their grandchildren. Father, I thank you for family units today that represent your kingdom. And now, Lord, I just speak the blessing of God 
over these family units. Father, I thank you that they do represent you as ambassadors in your kingdom. They represent you as a segment of this world that is representing Jesus and what is coming out of them and what flows out of them is the presence and the power of Jesus. And that, as we read a minute ago out of scripture, has the ability to bring conviction and forgiveness on the face of the earth. And so right now in Jesus' name, I speak against, the, the enemy would love to come against these family units and destroy them. Satan, you are bound in Jesus' name. And I speak against your power of trying to disrupt something that is as godly as a family unit. And I, I just rebuke you in the name of the Lord and I declare you have no power over these family units. They are bound together by the love of Jesus. They are bound together by the spirit of grace and there is victory within every household unit in Jesus' name and we declare that and the vision is growing in these family, family units. The destiny of God is growing in these family units. What's ahead of them is growing in these family units. Everything they've done up to this point, as wonderful it is, I declare that you have more for them. You got more for them, God. You got more for them in the business arena. You got more for them in the society arena. You got more for them in every arena in life. There is increase because you are a God of increase and we thank you for your love and mercy and grace on our lives in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, give Jesus praise one more time. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.